Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. everyone and welcome to the podcast under the stairs this is episode 139 i'm your host duncan mcleish and welcome to the show episode 139 is the conclusion the concluding part of our three part series looking at the maniac cop trilogy on this one we bring things in together to a nice calm cool conclusion with Maniac Cop 3 from 1993, a.k.a. Badge of Silence. I'll be joined after the first break with my guest Andy Blockley, who's been running the gambit with me through these three movies. He will come in and we will discuss this final movie in the franchise. How are you all doing? And we're doing well out there. It feels like everything this year is rushing so fast it's difficult to keep up with. Uh, and with that in mind, this is the point that I tell you that this is another three episode week for Podcasts Under The Stairs. Yay! This episode obviously dropping on Monday. We're swinging into Thursday's review, which is a special bonus episode looking at Ghost Stories, the new release um, which came out from Andy Nyman and uh, Jeremy Dyson, he of Legion of Gentlemen fame. Checked that out at the cinema during the week, so I'm looking forward to chatting about that one in a review this Thursday. And then if all that wasn't enough, it's time to do some disc number five on Sunday uh, of the 88 Films Italian Collection. We'll be looking at Zombie Holocaust, which like I say, is disc number five in the 88 Collection. So yeah, three episodes this week. Motherfuckers, woo! Get yourself ready for um, some intensive teapots content. Out with that, uh, some other updates circulating on uh, on, on teapots land. Um, the merch, as it stands just now, has been going pretty fast, faster than I actually anticipated. So much so that as of this recording, which has been done on Sunday for release on Monday, we're down to 14 punk pins left. Uh, and when they're gone, they're gone. Um, I may look to do another run somewhere throughout the year, but it won't be won't be soon. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes uh, peeled for the link on the Facebook group page, which is tputtscast.bigcartel.com. I've got the website tputtscast.com, and then click the merch tab and buy yours now because, like I say, they are a rarity at the moment. Going a lot quicker than I anticipated. I knew they would sell fast, but I didn't realise how many people out there would really want their hands on a pug visage um, as much as they have. But it's made me very, very happy. And through your participation in purchasing those pug pins, we have more than um, achieved our total for for hosting of the podcast for this year. Uh, and with the extra money, more likely we'll cover the cost of... Um, the actual website domain 
for a year as well. So that's great. Any additional money we make now is being put into a pot which will pay for future design stuff for merch. So yeah, like I said before, all the money kind of going back into the podcast, which is the way it should be, ladies and gents. Always the way it should be. So thank you very much for that. April is kind of hurtling its way past the halfway mark, which means we're really kind of already kind of planning stuff for the middle and end of this year. That's how far things get planned in advance. Um, which is insane. The rest of this month we'll see a combination of um, some Ricky Morgan episodes. I know you guys were were loving the fact he was back on, but we're going to have Ricky back on to do uh, the Blind Dead series of movies. Kind of similar to what we did with um, the Maniac Cop stuff. So we'll be taking the four movie franchise, I believe it is four, uh, and splitting them in half, two on one episode, two on the other. So Ricky will be coming on to do that with me. Looking forward to that a whole hell of a lot. Uh, my plans are to try and get Bo Ransdell back on the show, although we're still trying to work out uh, what movie that will be. But Bo will be coming uh, back under the stairs to do some of that. Um, the next Baz v Horror will be a, a Masters of Horror series looking at Clive Barker. That should be coming towards the end of the month, beginning of May. Uh, we'll be looking at the Clive ba- uh, Barker directorial works, which will be Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Lord of Illusion. Um, so looking forward to doing those ones and seeing what the Baz makes of them. Particularly nervous about Nightbreed, because Nightbreed is like one of my favourite films of all time. So I really don't want Baz to shit on it, which he probably will do, because it's the Baz after all, ladies and gents. That's what he does. So yeah, we'll be doing that. And then moving into May, we have some pretty cool things in the pipeline. Uh, I'm thinking about dedicating me at the moment to to looking at some slasher movies because I feel like I've grossly neglected slasher movies recently and I kind of want to do ones that are not just the norm. So there'll be maybe one or two episodes where we'll be looking at some kind of quirky, some fun slasher movies. And in May, I start the very long two-month prep for the top ten run of shows. Uh, this year looking at the 1980s as a decade is going to be huge it's going to be so difficult to do and I'm slightly changing the format up so there's going to be more people involved with the process and you guys are going to have a say early on in the process as well to really kind of solidify this idea of a collective group um, feeding in towards that final top 20 list for the round table so yeah that's all going to be happening as well tons, tons, tons of content so much content coming up on the podcast under stairs. April's been a huge month for us over here. You guys have once again went above and beyond as it stands just now at the point of this episode being released. Uh, at the midway point of the month, we have already reached the total download figures that we got in April 2017, which just blows my mind. So thank you very much for sharing the show, um, pimping the show. Uh, and chatting the show with your friends on the group page, other group pages and stuff like that, it means a whole hell of a lot to me and thank you very much for that. So, with all that information dumped right at the start of this episode, we are going to take our first break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Maniac Cop 3 from 1993. It's Badge of Silence, myself and Andy Blockley coming back to discuss that movie right after this. 
is the Psychosemantic Podcast. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. A few days ago, I called the news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. We have Ben Jacobs, that's the Guardian reporter, body slammed tonight by the Republican candidate Greg Gianforte. Living with a six-year-old. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. I have this one big pile of shit. Well, then you two learned a very important lesson today. Cops don't help. It's a train! Now is not the time for fear. That comes later. Can you fly, Bobby? In the 20th century, the Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years, and it approved all but one. So just to, just to put a button on this, are you ruling it out 100%? Yeah. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Politics, movies, political movies. The Psychosemantic Podcast. Better known as the Psychosemantic Cast. He did what we all must learn to do. When the violent This filthy creep's gonna make us rich Can't be controlled When the guilty Can't be caught When the lawless Can't be stopped The only hope left saw a symbol in the dirt. You see the symbol of anti-justice. Is a cop. Who's ready to raise a little hell. I need your very special kind of darkness. From the darkest powers of creation. Want to know about resurrection? Comes a force more powerful than life, more lasting than death. He has returned. Who's in there? As judge, jury, and executioner. Oh my God! I know what I saw. To enforce the law. Where is he? You'll find him. With a vengeance. But now, the only way to end the massacre is to destroy two tortured souls. The madness. Finish it. Badge of silence. The maniac cop is back. And welcome back. So this is the final movie review in our Maniac Cop trilogy, the three-part instalment podcast series looking at a franchise which, I'll be honest, I was expecting to really enjoy that first one and then everything was going to go downhill and it turns out that I actually really enjoyed that second one which did make me actually doubt myself coming into the third one. 
um, which is mainly at COP3 Badge of Silence. Joining me again on this uh, final instalment is a, is a man who has suffered, well I say suffered, we've actually, we've celebrated most of this, but is of course the fantastic Andy Blockley. How are you doing Andy? Hey man, I'm ready for some fucking voodoo magic, man. <laughs> fucking voodoo magic. Wrong um, film, but you know, you get the gist. <laughs> I love that movie as well. There was something about the early 90s where everything is either about Satan or voodoo. Yeah. Don't know. Like, when you think, well, I think about it now, we've got all those, um, all those movies which were like, like the first power and, uh, fallen and, you know, like demons and possession and that seemed to be the way things started going in the 90s uh, mm. but voodoo made made this appearance uh, specifically in movies like like Predator 2 uh, <laughs> and this movie here Maniac Cop 3 Badge of Silence directed by William Lustig closing out his trilogy here um, this one was also written by uh, Larry Cohn which I didn't think it was um, the reason I say that is we were talking when, shit. well <laughs> well there's that. Um, but an off day. <laughs> well, when I um, when I watched the the special features on the Maniac Cop disc, there's an interview with Larry Cohen, and Larry Cohen gets to a certain age where he becomes quite bitter, um, as a lot of people do. Yeah, at a certain age, and it's it's not your fault or someone else's. And he deliberately slagged off part three. He was like, part three is not a good movie. Um, I was I was kind of thinking, ah, he's probably just saying that because he wasn't involved with the process. They took his characters on in a way that he didn't feel was respectful. No, he wrote it. So, <laughs> so well done, Larry Cohn, from trying to distance yourself from the project. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Um, so this one returns uh, Robert Davy, who, like a vampire, has not aged. Uh, in fairness, it's been a couple of years between the well, two Well, that's because he already looks about 70. Like, <laughs> is he? His face has about as many potholes as the roads around my house. Um, from the winter, <laughs> it's just like kind of, kind of very. It's like a human toast rack. <laughs> Robert Zadar returns as Matt Cordell, although the makeup in this one is not good. Uh, we have a Caitlin Do- Delaney, Gretchen Becker, Paul Gleason, Jackie Errol Haley, in a slightly earlier role as the kind of uh, hobo. Uh, stick up artist sort of did. Uh, That's how it is. I didn't even. Yeah, I, I clocked it straight away. I was like, that, I was like, how did you, how did you end up becoming Freddy Krueger, mate? Uh, Julius Harris. Um, there are some other folks here. Robert Forster is in here as Doctor Pill. Once again, I don't know what they held over his head. Um, this is obviously just a little like three or four minute cameo that's got some of the most shittest fucking dialogue I, I, I genuinely we'll don't know how I, yeah don't know how he ended up in this movie but obviously someone had some sort of photograph evidence of him in a sheep I, was, I yeah. don't know he should not be in this movie he is with his velcro gloves this. and his uh, wellington boots <laughs> I think the thing is as well you you forget that sometimes actors who were prominent in like the 70s like you know big names and genre in the 70s kind of lost their career in the 80s and into the 90s and you have to credit Tarantino in a lot of respects like he obviously had that big role a fucking fantastic role in Jackie Brown which yeah. starts to elevate him and he bring he was bringing actors back into the forefront and I just feel that like you know it was slim pickings that, that year for uh, Robert Forster um, interestingly enough about this time period as well 
Um, he had turned down being in Twin Peaks. Okay. He was originally supposed to be the sheriff in Twin Peaks, which was why he be- became the sheriff in the the most recent series. Um, right. Return. So uh, that's a, a little bit of Twin Peaks knowledge for y'all. Uh, synopsis for this one. Here we go. Ready for this one? <clears throat> A female cop is gunned down and wrongly accused of using excessive force in a hostage rescue attempt. Maniac cop returns from the dead once more to seek revenge, destroying everything and anyone that stands in his way. Which literally sounds like two different plots. Which it does because that's first of all that's not what really happens. Like Dude. secondly as well, like even the scroll at the beginning, like it just gives you a little Star Wars scroll at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> says he was framed. Yeah, like by. Like he took revenge on the fr- on the criminals that framed him. No, he didn't. Not in either of the two movies. He wasn't correct yep. framed by the criminals in either movie. No. Nope. So that's fucking wrong for a start. I thought yep. I, like that's mental. The film hasn't even started yet, and you've already basically said like the criminals framed him in parts one and two. No, neither actually. Nope. You were, were I mean, no, fair enough. You, they did change who framed him. They did change the reason he got sent down in part two to part one, or at least they elaborated on it. But in part yeah. three, they completely change it. And I know it's probably just like a grammar thing because they say, you know, like he, the criminals who like wronged, framed, killed or whatever. But they like, you need to se- like separate that, separate the framed bit because they're nothing to do with it. You're just confusing things like straight from the off. And I just think that just shows like they weren't trying. They literally weren't trying. And that it's carries on. It's a reframing, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, it's a reframing. It's like... And to be honest with you, I think it's the fact that they reframe using the role of the kind of scrolling text at the start that's the issue. Had they you not know just... Well, it's irrelevant. Like the, yes, the, like, I was about the... to say, you, you don't need that. And it's not been that long in between movies. You no. don't need that at all. All you, ha- all you need to do is kind of do what the second movie did, which they kind of try and do here, which is play the end of the previous movie. That's all you need to do and maybe have them... Um, like during the credits have a highlight reel of what he did before which is kind of what they try and do here to an extent so while he's being resurrected like right after the scrolling text we get the voodoo scene um, and we have this voodoo priest who is chanting in this dark room full of candles um, over a kind of decapitated human head which makes no sense at all because uh, no. that's not how voodoo works. But I don't know why stabbing someone through the top of the head all of a sudden makes a maniac grab his badge off of his coffin. Like, what, yeah, are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, what, who is this guy to the maniac cop? What's the link? How are we doing this? Why does this make sense to anyone? Bueller? There's no reason. Yeah. There's no reason why he's resurrected. Like, no, it's it's, it's, it's so it's weird. Literally it's, nonsense. Like, yeah. I, oh, Considering man. the guy has been shot, stabbed, burned. And all the previous movies are that just make him come back. Just make him... Jason Voorhees wakes up in his grave, gets up, comes back. We don't need to We don't need to frame this with Voodoo, which pay, plays no part in the... Because bear in mind movie. as well, he's already come back at the end of the second movie, so you don't really need to explain it. You don't then need to retcon yeah. the fact that while, while that funeral was happening, some guy was doing a voodoo chant apparently at the end of number two we just didn't get to see it until the beginning of the third one that retcon thing doesn't even need to be there unless you desperately want voodoo in your film which they obviously desperately wanted voodoo in the film just because it was the latest fucking thing yeah and but once again though if it's going to be in there give it some context make it a bigger part of the story make it like i don't know like a voodoo gang uh, or drug dealers once again predator 2 big willie's crew uh, are, are being hunted by the cops and um, they decide to turn the 
or there's a bad deal with the cops being involved and the cops are taking their money or something and they use voodoo to bring back the maniac cop. So, something like that. Give it like a proper framing device yeah. in the movie to give it its place to justify the work we're putting in here because this is work we're putting into this story right at the start that you don't need to do um, but they, they do here. So we get um, we get the return of the maniac cult, which is basically, like you say, is the end of the previous movie, where the, the badge was lying on the grave and the hand comes through it. And then we get like a highlight reel of previous maniac cult movies that were better. Like him yep. just busting into the, the cop place with the you know the, the machine gun, just laying waste to, to, to police officers and I'm like that. Yeah, that you know that second movie was really fucking good. Really yeah. really enjoyed it. <laughs> Can I watch yeah. that one again? Yeah, let, let's watch that one like, again. And this movie's like, no, no, you will not. Do you know how else we get 27 minutes in? Who? The flashback again for the third time. Yeah. We need to see it again. again. Prison, <laughs> the prison flashback. Do we not need to pad need to this see movie out, Andy. Time. Need to pad this one out to make it an hour and 25 minutes. I've already minutes. padded it out, Duncan. The first eight minutes is recapping credits. It's only on for about an hour 20. <laughs> Christ, like it could have been just an episode of like Friday the Thirteenth, the series or something. Like, just do that. It's weird how you're saying that because see, the cinematic quality of this one is very TV movie. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Like, because all the things we were talking about in the previous movie, where the like the practical effects were surprisingly good, the stunt work was excellent. Whereas by this movie, that's gone, um, and I think it's mostly gone due to money <laughs> like there is no money here and it it does feel kind of shot for tv uh, the the kind of cinematic palette is is far more muted um and I, i'll tell you when we're working our way through this because this like in terms of story doesn't really have as many parts to it as the previous movies no Os ostensibly what we're going to have here is the majority of the movie is going to be shot in one location um, we're going to jump out for, for various bits and bobs, but there is a whole hell of a lot of this that wants to be um, like Halloween 2. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wants to be yeah. set, in a, set in a hospital, which is a great place to set a horror sequel. We have history on that one. The best ones usually have that kind of lockdown, we're all in one building, we're all being hunted sort of environment, but we have... We have... Um, we're following again uh, Detective McKinney, um, mm -hmm. who's played by Robert Davy. He, um, right after all this stuff has happened, is um, kind of chatting, chatting away to uh, Kate Sullivan, um, who is maybe not in the best uh, terms with the upper brass. Um, so much so that she's uh, like she's, she's um, considers maybe being slightly aggressive and excessive. So the way that she justifies not being that Andy is going to the shooting range and shooting a whole lot of bullets into fake targets. Yep, that's not going to help you. Um, <laughs> uh, and McKinney's like, you know, it's your birthday. You need to go out. Don't worry. Um, and she has this nickname, which I don't really understand how you get this nickname, especially in light of the fact of a maniac cop running around murdering the city. You think people would be a bit more, right, let's, as police, let's all come together, work with the community and all the rest. The nickname that she has is Maniac Kate, mm. um, which, I'm like, that's a little bit insensitive. <laughs> yeah. Know, Mark Caldwell's been in the ground for 
a day. Um, <laughs> you know, you're already dubbing someone else maniac. That that to me just seems like you're wanting to set up another psycho killer cop. Maybe yeah. let's not do that. Maybe let's not do that, folks. Um, and yeah, so we have a bit of their chat. To be honest with you, Robert Davi probably is the best thing in this movie again. Um, I think even though he's phoning it in so hard in this mm. movie, uh, we've got McKinney out at crime scene. He only agreed to do this because you get he probably can earn more money at a convention if he's done two maniac cops <laughs> instead of just one. <laughs> yeah, two two headshots. I yeah, mean, that's what that is. Two headshots. Um, so McKinney investigates this crime scene, which we uh, we find a a body which is minus its head. This head might be the one that was used in the voodoo ceremony. Maybe, don't know. Could be, Could be. <laughs> uh, but not only is it like a headless corpse, uh, but there's there's a chicken, <laughs> chicken stuffed inside, mm. which makes no sense. Um, and the detective just happens to to, to talk, um, you know, about this weird ritual. Because everyone knows this shit in, in New York. Like, oh, common know, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, this kind of looks the like set up for a voodoo cult curse, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think I remember this one. Um, a ritual no, they don't have to get a specialist in or anything, they just know it. <laughs> they just know, of course they know it. It's, it's in, the, it's in um, you know, the third chapter of the New York Police book. And I don't know if you <laughs> know that. outbreak. Yeah, ch- chapter three... Things that might lead you to believe that you're investigating a voodoo cult. Um, so yeah, the, apparently this ritual uh, uses heads, um, and, and I love how they're like because how specific this is is it uses heads and chickens are left inside the body uh, in order to let the soul take flight. Right, chickens so you, can't fly, mate. For a start, chickens very can't well. fly. Yes, you would think. What would have been better is, I don't know, a pigeon? Uh, you know, a, a, dove, a, a dove? Yeah, <laughs> like so, something else, but no, chicken. Because once again, Andy, voodoo. Yeah, also, we don't can possibly want this film to make any sense. <laughs> um, so, the we have these uh, two reporter dudes um, who are like, yeah, we're on the scene, let's film this, because, you know, we're scum of the earth and we want to film headless bodies yeah, night crawlers that's what yeah, they are pr- they're exactly night crawlers and McKinney's like fuck off <laughs> this is not for you go somewhere else so they're out on patrol Kate is uh, out in the streets or as, as we like to call her maniac Kate uh, is out in the streets and she comes across this uh, store shooting which has our, our buddy here uh, Rorschach from the Watchmen or Freddy Krueger uh, yeah. Jackie Errol Haley, um, who is just being an absolute dick, shooting up things, and the reporters managed to get um, some pretty good uh, footage of what happens in this pharmacy. Um, and McKinney manages to find the voodoo guy really fucking quick in this movie. You know what I mean? It's like, this must be voodoo. Well, there's one guy I know, because uh, he bumps into him of all places kind of standing on the street just like over yeah. this you know, like, I, I don't understand this he's just standing there um, I don't understand a lot of things that go on in this film to be it honest just, it seems to make jumps I think that's what it is I think like it it's just got seemed, narrative ADD 
<laughs> yeah, that's like that. Oh, a penny. Because um, it literally just is all over the place. And um, the, the the kind of voodoo guy is uh, is talking about the, the symbol that they found uh, beside the body. And he says that the symbol means anti-justice. Uh, and I'm like, so you can read this symbol? That means that you're a number one suspect. Because you're right beside the body and you can read voodoo symbols. <laughs> no, no, Davy's like that. Nah, awesome. See you later. Uh, like you know what I mean? I yeah. just, I yeah, don't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so we have a, we have like Kate, like at the pharmacy doing stuff. I'm not really gonna know too much into this one. Um, well, well, suffice to say, things get a bit heated, uh, and Rorschach puts a bullet in her. Uh, and yeah, Kate's Kate's hit. There's someone else's hit. The reporters are filming everything, um, and then all of a sudden, now we're going to have the maniac cop just appearing because it's taken them, I don't know, a day and a half to walk from the cemetery uh, yep. to where the voodoo guy goes. And this is the bit where I was like, right, this is where you explain what's happened or why we're doing things, um, but they don't really because the voodoo guy's summation when he meets Cordell is, you know, kind of like, oh, I bet you want to kill me, but you can't kill me. And I'm like, alright. And why was he buried with a fucking baton with a knife in it? <laughs> Don't give him that. That's, well, I mean, they, I suppose you could argue that they didn't know there was a knife in there and they just wanted to bury him like with his baton, but check it. It's just check. Yeah, yeah let's, let's maybe... Let's, I'm going to say, Andy, let's not bury him with any weapons, considering he's already come back twice. <laughs> just saying and maybe not a wooden coffin maybe I don't know a cement box um, you know make it a bit difficult if he wants to come yeah, back he's, 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 a, he's a good guy now isn't he he's been forgiven so yeah, they murdered, they... murdered 50 cops in the previous movie innocent civilians mm. yep he's a good guy good guy this guy is a good guy um, so yeah uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah the voodoo guy is basically telling him that you know, he's he can bring him back to life because his spirit is actually not at rest. Um, and while this is all happening, Cordell hears some news over the radio, which happens to be in the the voodoo room for some reason. I don't know. And oh, it's like the, the the radio's got like candles and stuff on it, dripping all over it. And I'm just like, why is this radio in this room? You know, I, I don't get it. It makes more sense. He to likes to a... listen. He likes to listen to sounds of the eighties when he's not doing <laughs> Wait one second. Is that Spandau Ballet? This is yes, my tune, man. This, this is my jam. <laughs> Lighting of the candle. <laughs> oh my goodness! And so he hears uh, like Cordell overhears uh, info on Kate, um, and. You know, the, the fact that uh, the pharmacist isn't, has been shot um, and this might have been Kate that did it and all the rest and Cordell is pissed, smashes the radio and leaves out and then really from here we're kind of doing a whole lot of hospital stuff. Now, I just wanted to set all that up because I, this is the bit where the movie really loses me because I don't quite oh this is where it loses you (laughs) yeah because up to this point i'm like that they're setting up something 
You yeah. know what I mean? They're building, they're, they're building, it's like a house of cards, we're building a very shaky foundation, but this is our foundation nonetheless. This voodoo guy's brought him back because he can bring him back because of all the horrible things that have happened, you know, it's, yeah. it's just cool. Um, but there's going to be some link into either this idea that Kate is a really dirty cop or she uses excessive force and Cordell hates that idea and yeah. is going to take vengeance on her or Cordell sees the same pattern which led to his downfall happening. Right, one of the two. And the movie doesn't really give you either. No, because basically what's happened, like, the, the night crawlers have just edited the footage, haven't they? Yeah. Just to make it look slightly different. So Matt Cordell's not there. Is he supposed to just know this information or is he just going on what the what he saw on the news? I don't ever remember. I don't know. It doesn't explain it. It doesn't explain it at all. Yeah, it's fucking mental. These people just want food for God's sake. <laughs> he did not just break out the running man on this show. Just harking back to another film where they do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if back to hell then, with you. It was almost as if back then we were setting up the, the building blocks to uh, a future president's campaign on fake news. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So yeah, so um, ultimately, to, to move this forward because we're talking about giving this movie far too much airtime. Uh, ultimately, to move things on, uh, Cordell makes his way to the the hospital, and this is where all the pieces are together. Really, he's going to start taking folk out. There is, I think, a really cool kill using uh, a defibrillator. Yeah, pretty good. Why Cordell would use that, I don't know, but he decides to do it anyway. He's getting um, creative, isn't he, now? Yeah, he's like that. You, well, you know, how, well, what, how you know how to work one to, like, because once again, it's never really, is he a zombie? I think he is. So zombies are usually controlled, so i.e. someone's telling them what to do. So unless yeah. Voodoo Man knows how to work at the family, I don't know. Once again, I don't know. It, it seems he could like have been an ER doctor. He don't know what he was doing before he started on the Voodoo. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, he seemed to be able to decapitate a head well, um, and insert a chicken. So <laughs> the whole chicken in there was just the foot. I have no idea. It doesn't it's tell me. Difficult to get a whole chicken down there. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So we have. Um, we have uh, Cordell's walking around, killing folk. Uh, so he's he, he kind of shocks this dude to death, um, and as he's walking around, this this um, I think she's supposed to be a nurse, uh, Susan. Um, she kind of sees him. Uh, the police discover the body of this dead dude. Susan tells McKinney that she saw like a cop leaving Kate's room. Uh, McKinney goes to the basement. As you do, uh, and finds like this, like bear with me here, finds this kind of church, which is in the basement, um, and the the wee dudes down there, like your wee <laughs> thingy, thingy dude, um, the voodoo man guy has set up his his like voodoo church in the basement. Right. It doesn't quite make sense, like at all. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, why, why here? Why the basement? Why is this happening? Anyone? Um, so then we 
go off to see uh, what else is happening. It looks like this guy, Dr. Pill, who we get introduced to, um, is they're having this argument. So that Hank and Dr. Pill are having an argument that maybe if they like remove Kate from life support, uh, they might be able to... And this is like the words, save the city a bit of grief and trouble. And I'm like, what? What are we doing here? Are we just saying let's murder this cop now? Is that because this is what we okay. saved the city? While you're talking about this, we might as well just address probably the only thing that's consistent throughout these movies. Uh huh. The tradition of delivering bad news in a terrible, terrible fashion. <laughs> right? You can't go. Oh God, is she is she going to be all right? And he goes, well, first of all, when he says how is she, the one doctor goes get her a priest. Mm-hmm. Alright, yeah, thanks for your witticisms, but um, I'm genuinely concerned about my colleague here. Yeah. Later on, no, she's like she's in actually in a really bad way. Like, what, okay, doc, what's the prognosis? Stick her in a rock garden. Yeah. Fucking yep. hell. Yeah. Seriously, like I yep. know, like I don't. It's, it's, a, it's a weird tone shift that because, like, I know someone obviously wrote that deliberately to make this doctor an arsehole, But come on, in reality, would a doctor actually say to someone that's querying about someone that they really care about? whether they're brain dead or not, stick her in a rock garden <laughs> and doesn't expect to get his fucking face punched in. Yeah, I can't believe he doesn't. I can't believe McKinney does not fucking batter him for saying that. Yeah, it's like the bedside manner of doctors just in general in this is pretty bad. Unbelievable. Um, Let's talk about Robert Forster and the stuff he's saying. He's just wandering around ER. You know, like when they do that thing like in The Simpsons where Bart Simpson's like like charming everyone going hey how you doing hey watch yourself hey hey yeah, yeah. Like, literally doing that <laughs> through the er he says to one doctor while the while the patient is laying there wide awake whoa sweetheart tie off that femoral artery there and she says well we might lose the leg he says we already have as far as i'm concerned no you haven't yeah. no you haven't lost the leg yet tie off the femoral artery it'll be absolutely fine and he's just wandering around like just being a dick and it's weird because it's Robert Forster he is a pretty good actor and likes some of the stuff he's been in yeah this isn't even like this is literally a cameo he's in it for just a couple of minutes before it doesn't he doesn't make sense it really doesn't make sense at all because it's not really well, what they try, do they think they will they trying to elevate the tone of the movie by popping him in but then giving him some of the shittiest and most irritating dialogue yeah like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The, the Doctor Pill, the guy who's like doing all the the horrible, yeah, rock garden comments, he ends up dying in a, a kind of. What's it? I think it's maybe let's set it in a hospital because there's loads of ways, loads of ways we can kill people with hospital equipment. Yeah, he right. essentially he dies in the X-ray room. Uh, Cordell grabs him, puts him under the X-ray, uh, and then repeatedly kind of. Blasts his face, <laughs> body just leaves it switched on. Do you know what I like about that as well? When the nurse comes in and discovers it, instead of going, Oh my god, and turning the x ray machine off, she just runs off. Yep, she's like that. Yep, he deserved it. I told him that rock garden comment that he uses for people is a bad idea. That's this fucking doctor, isn't it? It's the, it's the little young, arrogant little wank that says the rock garden comment. This is like his Robert's. Oh, Force. that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's. <laughs> Like, all right, fair enough. Run away. At least turn the X-ray machine off because you might yeah. be able to save him. Nah, I just leave it running. Nah, leave let's it. just keep it. Let's see. He's, he's too far gone. He's too far gone. Too far. Um, and like, like a lot of people die in kind of interesting ways in this movie. And when I say interesting, I mean not that great. Uh, the two reporters are, you know, also full of sensitivity. They are, you know, they managed to track down the brother of uh, one of the victims. So let's. Uh, 
this kid that's been shot. Um, they managed to track it down, and the, it's a horrible interview. Uh, and then the like, I think they're called, one's called Bishop and one's called Tribble. Uh, Bishop manages to, you know, he can't find Tribble at, at one point, and then starts looking for him, uh, and he finds him dead inside an ambulance with two other folk from the hospital. So maniac cops apparently driving, maybe driving about. I don't know. Um, and then Bishop dies. Uh, Cordell kills him. Uh, McKinney manages to finally see the unedited footage from the pharmacy. And at this point, like, there's a there's a fucking convoluted nonsense scene to do with Frank, a character who has far too much time in this movie. Mm. Like, I, I really, he's your right catalyst for getting her in the hospital. Let's not spend any more time with him at all as a character but once again we need criminals in here to to be speaking loads I don't, I don't get it I don't get it exactly. um, you know what I mean uh, so like Frank's uh, like a piece of shit uh, for lack of a better word he's got a, a rap sheet longer than my dick and that's long Andy long <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's a monster it's an absolute monster um, the Loch Ness monster is what they nickname it all green yeah. and scaly, um, and mythical as well. Um, it's only ever been seen by by one person, and no one believed them. Uh, so <laughs> get that checked out by a doctor if it's green and slimy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it looks right. Um, so, uh, like Frank manages to using a bit of his uh, his gets put in this room with two other. Criminals like who have been who have been hospitalized, uh, Andy, uh, and they managed to all escape. And then Cordell's back doing what Cordell does. He's fucking killing folk and shooting people. And it's just it's a the end of this movie is an absolute clusterfuck mm. of we don't quite know how to do this. Um, McKinney's running about the place. He, he's trying to find Kate. Kate's missing. Um, they, you know, he's now going down to the the voodoo uh, place, and you know, he finds the voodoo police uh, p- priest, not police, the voodoo police. That's amazing. Uh, I wish the voodoo finds... police were here because they would be getting arrested for this shit. <laughs> he, he finds the voodoo priest guy um, over Kate's body, um, kind of looking like he's going to start doing some sort of ritual against her. She's still out, you know. Um, and Cordell is, you know, standing behind him with like this shotgun, uh, and the priest's like that. You listen, Cordell. I can, I can resurrect her. I can resurrect her. Uh, and McKinney's like chatting to Cordell as if they're they're buddies, saying, you know, like Kate is at peace, um, and all the people that are responsible for her ending up in this kind of condition they're now dead so it's time to let her go um, and then Cordell it's just so shit it's just so shit uh, <laughs> kind of commands the priest to finish the the ritual and the priest now like actually in the time we've been chatting here I can't do anything to bring her back even though I said I could just a couple of minutes ago and this sends Cordell over the edge he gets a rage Kills the priest. Sets himself uh, on fire again. He seems to like that. Yeah, self-immolation. Uh, and 
grabs Kate's body and they start to burn together. <laughs> and then and then because you know this is the, this is a, a former church, it must be full of things that'll explode. Uh, so McKinney and Susan run away to avoid an explosion, which yeah maybe. Uh, and then McKinney and Susan manage to get in an ambulance and they drive away. The whole building starts to burn down. Um, and then all of a sudden, Cordell starts following them. Still on fire. Like, they love a, they love a good fire suit in this. He's really like, flammable, isn't he, Matt Cordell? Yeah, just a little bit too much. Um, so he kind of comes after them. I saw one of them self-immolation videos. on yep. Like, fucking live Reddit or whatever. What's it called? Live leak. Yeah. Even when you cover a human body in petrol, it, it goes out pretty quickly. I don't understand yeah. how fucking maniac carp is so bloody flammable considering he's a fucking rotten corpse. Like, he's on fire for about 15 minutes. <laughs> like, what's he doing? It doesn't make any sense. Don't make any... Once again, don't make any sense. Um, so he starts falling them down and it just so happens, it just so happens that uh, McKinney has the, has the old, uh, uh, an oxygen kind of tank thing um, yeah <laughs> because we're going to do the jaws ending um, oh yeah what well, why not uh the maniac cop gets why his not? Arm. i mean these films these films are very similar aren't they so so yeah there's a convoluted scene that involves like the oxygen tank exploding um and then in a scene which does not need to be here McKinney decides that he's going to light his cigarette with a severed flame in Cordell's arm. And I was like, really, dude? Because, like, in the last movie, he was like, this is an innocent guy. I need to... There's no admission of, I did wrong here. <laughs> like, at all. Um, no. And then the final scene, like, the two bodies are kind of lying beside each other, Cordell's and Kate's. Um, and Cordell's hand kind of moves over and touches Kate. Uh, yeah, of course it does. And that's... That's how we finish it. I'm just going to go out record. I don't want to spend too much time closing this out because this is a catalogue of failures. Uh, this movie is actually worse than I remember it being. Like, yeah. so part two was better than I remembered it being. This one's worse. And it's not because... I, I think the movie isn't goofy enough. I think that's the problem. I think they try and grim too much of it. Um, okay. And the previous works in the franchise or they, they try and do too much with it, which we're in instalment number three. We can... You've got two options here. You can make it grittier, if you want, um, or you can make it goofier. And I think what they needed to do was make it goofier because we had yeah. we've already had the really good horror movie. We've had the really good action movie. This one to me is time to make it a bit more campy and a bit more, a bit more not you know nonsensical to an extent. Which they yeah. kind of try and do here, but they can't do it because they keep trying to bring it back to, well, let's show you the scene of how he was wronged in the prison, and let's you know let's bring voodoo into it for some reason, and ultimately what you get is a hodgepodge, and it does feel like three different stories. Um, yes. This idea of a potential maniac Kate, which I quite like that idea. That wouldn't be uncommon for horror movies to pivot the franchise to towards. I like the the birth of a new character, and I quite like the mm. idea of even the, the the gender swap for that. Um, yeah. So you have that. You have McKinney, who in this movie is really an incidental character, who is ultimately a hero, but we spend no time with really overall. Uh, and then Cordell's like revival and the the voodoo stuff, which doesn't work. 
and as a result, it's just a what you know, it's an hour and twenty minutes long, and it feels longer. Yeah, and there's nothing... even like the the stunt thing at the end, where like the car, like the two cars are driving, and like Cordell's kind of holding the cars together on fire. That's yeah. boring. Yeah, it really is. That's it's your boring. big scene. Yeah, that's your big scene in this movie. This is where that we should be boring, should it? Yeah. Like that should be really fucking cool. Like you know, like the stunt work is one of the highlights of the second film. Yeah. Like it went on for far too long and nothing really happened. They're just driving along and the cars are side by side and one of them's on fire and like you, you get about two or three minutes of that. It's just padding, more padding. This film has got so much fucking padding. Maybe that's why Cordell's so fucking flammable because he's full of fucking padding. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> oh god, just what please you, like wake me up when it's finished. What you do, what you do in this movie is you do it far simpler. You have a Kate. Kate's incident happens. At the same time Cordell was being buried, there's a conversation between two cops at the graveside, which mentions Kate, a character who we haven't really spent much time with at all. Um, I really know the overall connection with Cordell, really. It's kind of not, not really well explained at all in this movie. But we yeah. kind of hear this idea of, like, she's been framed or a good cop or whatever. And that's a catalyst to bring back Cordell and then everything should be set in the... Everything should be set in the hospital as the police are waiting for her to be resurrected so they can prosecute her. And Cordell is trying to say... That's, you know, that's your story in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I kind of yeah. think that's what they were trying to do to an extent. It just mm. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's so muddled. Voodoo stuff doesn't need to be here because we don't need a reason to bring back the maniac cop. You know, he just comes back. That's what we found it in the previous movies. We don't need to worry about that. Well, so um, you don't, you didn't explain it before. Like they try, like too much explanation as well. Like I say, that thing at the beginning about the scrolling text. Yeah. The inf like the changes that they make have no reflection on the, on the rest of the plot of the film. So why did you do that? Like, it's yeah. just making fucking sense because like you're saying that he, the, Matt Cordell like went on a rampage because he got framed by criminals and then he goes on to do a load of voodoo shit and so it's, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, like, it's, it's not. It's just not so, good. It's just such a fucking mess. And fair enough, like if the rest of the films were shit, you can just go, well, of course it is. You know, if we were doing the Children of the Corn fucking retrospective or something, don't do like I don't think I'd be as annoyed. I don't think I'd be like as bothered about how bad it was, but it's like you know the first film was like quite a, quite an eighties classic. The second one surprises both by how good it was. Yeah. And then this one, like, yeah, I suppose it's the jump the shark one, isn't it? You know, like there's a yeah. reason it was in the Maniac Cop Four. If this was a better film, guaranteed we'd have a fifth one. There'd probably a fourth one and a fifth one, and it'd yeah. probably have gone on. But I think this film just showed everyone that they'd just done it all. It's nothing more can be done with this character now. It's yeah. like sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you don't need to have a franchise, like in a horror no. movie. Sometimes you don't. I mean, it's the, it's John Carpenter and Halloween all over again. You know, yeah. after Halloween 2, he'd finished his story. He'd finished with that character, so there's no need to bring that character back. The story yeah. arc made sense by the end of the second movie, and yeah. this story arc doesn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah, it's a waste. It's, a, it's an absolute waste. Um in terms of grading, <laughs> this could be quite funny, uh, using Netflix grades, one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, and five loved it. Where do you come in for Badge of Silence at Maniac Cop 3? I think I find it difficult to hate it just because I don't think, it's, I don't think it thinks it's any better than it is. 
Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it knows it's shit. Like for me, like I really hate a movie when it's really trying to do something like up, up its own ass, and yeah. I just think you just twat, like go away. Like this, I just I can't hate it because I don't know. It's just it's not the type of film where I. Ex- it's not the type of film where I I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised that it's this bad. So yeah. I just have to kind of go. Oh, I just didn't fucking like it. I can't, you know. I'm trying to think of a film I hate. Cause I don't think I've ever given your film anything a, a one out of five on your show or my yeah. show or any other shows I've appeared on um, as a guest. Um, yeah, it's got to take. It's a real fucking special kind of film. I think I've got to hate. I don't. I know you and Baz did a fuck that movie on that Waspnado episode. Oh, so bad um, that movie. I've not not listened to that episode yet because I've not seen any of the films. I don't know if I'll bother. I think I might just listen to the episode, but. Like I don't know, would that have been worthy of a one, perhaps? If we, if, you know, if we weren't doing the fuck that movie, would that would you did you hate that? I, I think we're gonna land then with Badger Silence, right? It's difficult, it's, isn't it, to really fucking hate a film? Like I think I, I just didn't, I think I just really didn't fucking like it. So I think it's I, I'm gonna give it a two. That's where I'm coming in. I think it's a two for I think it's a realistic two for me because it still has characters that I kind of like in it. And I still think there's a, there's a couple of kills that are kind of cool and kind of fun. Yeah. And the, when the movie lets itself become fun and cool and campy and over the top, that's the bits that I, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's cool, right? I know what we're doing here. It's when it tries to be a bit headier than it actually is that I, I just, my eyes start to roll and I want to pick up my phone and start like looking at the internet. And, and you know, I, I don't want to pay attention because it's the wrong movie. So two to me feels just... Two to me feels right. You know, I didn't really like it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination, but I didn't really like it. So yeah, I, I hate, hate's a weird one because it actually has to invoke like anger in you. And although yeah. I was getting a bit annoyed, like as we do in this review, with just how shit the film was. Yeah. I don't think it offended. I don't think it did anything to the point where I was like offended the fact that it had stolen like ninety minutes of my life because I just kind of thought, you know, it's it's, it's the trilogy. We're doing a retrospective. Yeah. This and is just where the, this is just where the franchise, franchise has it. This Every is, franchise this is... has the one movie where you're just like, ah, and this is it here. And like you see, this is evidence to why there was not a Maniac Cop for. I think yeah. they knew themselves at the end of this movie, right, we've done it. Let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's shelve this one and let's not do it again. Um, I will say this though, Andy Blockley, it has been an absolute pleasure going through these movies with you. Um, yeah. And I think maybe to, before the end of the year, I think we pick another small franchise. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and, and run a couple of parts of them because I, I did have fun any chance to have you back on the show is always a good time oh yeah um, cheers man I've really enjoyed it yeah but um, I was surprised like I say the second one was uh, is a genuinely good film isn't it worth checking out this I'd probably I, I don't think it's the end of the world if you skip this one really if, yeah unless you unless you just want to watch it just hear how bad it is <laughs> you'd see um, you agree I know that there are fans of this one out there um, yeah I just I, I just I, I can't I can't uh, to me, it, it kind of lands where it lands, and that's fine. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty skippable for me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right, ladies and gents, uh, I want to thank Andy Blockley for his dedication on this three-part series. Like I say, we'll probably do another short franchise towards the end of the year, which will be a ton of fun. But Blockley will be back, no doubt, before then. There's All always right. something, always stuff to talk about, and I believe a summer top ten series, which we'll need to start getting planned next month. So. Oh man, that's going to be epic. That's going to be epic. <laughs> Even though I imagine I already know what the top two films are going to be. <laughs> I imagine, yeah, I could probably. I think I can predict the top five, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, yeah. Right, 
I am going to take my final break of this show. When I come back, I'm closing out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 139, the concluding part of the Maniac Cop trilogy, looking at Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence from 1993. Thanks to my guest Andy Blockley for not only appearing on this episode, but the previous two Maniac Cop review episodes as well thank you very much for that Andy it was a ton of fun who would have thought I always knew it was going to end on a sour note because I genuinely did not like that part 3 first time I watched it and if I'm honest um, my memory was being kinder to it uh, but I think the highlight for me is it has been watching part 2 a movie which I genuinely loved I thought was fucking great so it has been worth it to come through this uh, trilogy and realised that a movie that my memory kind of remembered as being okay turned out to be probably my favourite out of the franchise, which is just bonkers. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed doing that. This be a ton of fun. And we will do another kind of short trilogy or quadrology franchise towards the end of the year, running a similar sort of theme with myself and Andy. So yeah, I'll probably be hitting you guys up for ideas on what that might be coming down the line. It's also worth saying I did drop a lot of information at the start of this episode as to what's coming up through the month of April, coming up through the month of May. But in June, we will be doing ahead of our top 10 series, I'll be bringing back another Teapot's Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. Um, so we'll be getting lots of different people on for that and running the, running the train the horror review train on another franchise. So keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook group page for information on your way to sway votes to what that franchise will be. So it'll be a ton of fun as well. Uh, So I do have a couple of guest appearances planned over the next couple of weeks. So I don't know when those episodes will be dropping, so I'll hold back on revealing too much detail on them until those episodes are out and I can point you. But they are quite exciting ones that I'm looking forward to, so keep your eyes peeled for that as well. Uh, and information coming up on the, the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. As always, there is a multitude of ways to check out and support the show. I advocate you check us out through Apple Podcasts. Come across, subscribe to our feed. That way you get the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapots content please leave us a rating and a review. If you're listening to us through um, your iPods or your iPhones or whatever device uh, you're checking out through Apple, then you can leave us a little rating, five stars preferably. More of them we get behind the high and shots will push for people to find us. But also leave us a little review. It's your words as to why you check out the show. Take seconds for you to do. It doesn't cost you anything. It means the world and it's the best way to support us. Check us out through Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, as well as the TuneIn app. Uh, please visit our website, tputzcast.com, and visit our merch site by going to tputzcast.com and clicking merch, or go directly to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. Like I said at the start of the episode, 14 punk pins left. When they're gone, they're gone. Um, also, come across to our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast that we can t- interact with all the listeners over there and myself. 
and you can interact with the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at TputzCast. So, back on Thursday with a review of Ghost Stories. But until then, whenever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I'm signing off. Yeah, a while ago I told y'all a story About me down in New Orleans Meeting an old lady with a voodoo doll But there's more to that story She had a daughter Way down in New Orleans I met this voodoo queen Finest bitch I ever seen A human sex machine A walking wet dream She said she wanted me Come here, boy. I show you how to do this right. You think you know about sex, but you don't know shit. I'm gonna fuck you all night. She took me back to a crib, cold, dark, and scary. Connected to a cemetery. A thousand candles lit. I couldn't fucking breathe. And then she pushed up against me and said, Come here, boy. Show you how to do this right Think you know about sex But you don't know shit I'm gonna fuck you all night Sex Black Sex Black Sex Black Sex Black Sex Black Sex Black